start Do talking. Do we have any stories from Easter table? Aritis have a story how he <laughs> ate too much. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's the thing. Like the whole year, I don't eat hard-boiled eggs. I I never eat hard-boiled eggs. I mean, I do. eat fried eggs. I eat an omelet. Never a hard-boiled egg. And all of a sudden, Easter time comes, and I consume like ten hard-boiled eggs in two days. And of course, my body doesn't really accept this, and and you know it's sending me signals that you did something wrong, you made a mistake. Now you will have to deal with the consequences. Mm, deal with the consequences. I'm just trying what, to what, be. What does that remind? As you? neutral as as possible with my my lexicon here. Mm. Which team does this remind you? Uh, this story. Deal with the consequences. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. FS maybe. <laughs> FS, uh, I mean, when it, when it was too late, he started eating hard-boiled eggs and they just couldn't cope with with all of them. I think you're just putting some unfair blame on eggs because I really believe that all the problems you had were not because of eggs, but what was around eggs, starting from some sauces and stuff, then, of course, including beer and uh, beverages. No, beer is never the problem. <laughs> okay, of course. Of Let's course. not quote play the blame game here. <laughs> beer is not the problem. Beer is the solution, actually. Um, but uh, FS Pilsen yeah. beer, unalcoholic. FS beer was a problem this year. I gotta say that FS beer is not not so good, really. <laughs> so, like the regular season for Anymore. them. <laughs> so yeah, we'll start and we'll end with FS on this pod, probably basket news pod. Once again, uh, on your on your screens on Tuesday because we had big Easter break, uh, and just before we start, uh, I wanted to give a shout out to our BN Plus community because this week we'll have a BN Plus uh, Q and A session. So I just wanted to give a credit to those who support us on All Star and GM levels. Uh, so the Wall of Fame includes Polish Tinteris, Hoofman, Kristers. I I think that I saw Hoofman's van on Lithuanian streets because I was really surprised to see very old-fashioned van on a highway from, from Vilnius to Panevežys because it's not th that time of the year where do you regularly see okay. those type of vehicles. So I, I really believe that it was a hoop van just, just crossing by Lithuania. But anyway, Kristas uh, Pukitis, Gabriel Serva, Sports Cards Time, Luka Sushevic, Jonut Georgescu, and Alex Cerigotis. Thank you all for supporting us on uh, BN Plus uh, platform. And you can uh, join the crew on basketnews.com slash Plus, so we will have new EuroLeague champions after this dominant chapter by FS that included back-to-back -back EuroLeague titles, unofficial EuroLeague title in the COVID year. We will have a new EuroLeague champions uh, this season and FS became the first EuroLeague champ to miss the final four the following year in the modern EuroLeague era and also first EuroLeague champ to miss the playoffs in the last 13 years. And it feels like the whole, uh, the, the, the really outdated cherry on a very bad cake this year was Ergen's, Ergen Ataman's exit uh, in the game against Fenerbahce. It was the decisive game of the year for them. How do you feel about that? 
I mean, what did I say last week? That's how I feel. I feel the the same as I felt last week. I said that Fenerbahce is going to win it. Fenerbahce didn't clinch playoffs, by the way, by winning this game. Yeah. They still have some business this week, but uh, everything went as I expected, really. I mean, if you don't play defense throughout the whole year, mm. if you're complacent and inconsistent, you, you're, you're going to get punished eventually. And uh, Look, the game in Berlin, it, it was already a must-win game for them. And I didn't see them approaching the game uh, as they should. And they lost that game in Berlin. So I didn't have too much expectations that they will do something differently in this Istanbul derby, knowing that even if they, they had won, it still wouldn't be on them to make the playoffs. They would still be in a position right now to somehow get uh, other results right and win on the last day and qualify, but I, I never really believed in that. So Fenerbahce, they deserve to be in the playoffs more than FS and, and it's obvious. And, and, and they won the head-to-head uh, -head game. So congratulations mm. to them. We got affected with Donatus last week by full right. moon or, or, or we were saying FS uh, is go are going to win this game. In the, in the dark, they were in a position to win that game. I think. I mean, I it, think it, we just it, got, it was we like just 50 50 got, game for, we just for got both teams. So, the derby, mm, FS Finland, yeah, yeah, why not? I, I mean, before the game, before the game, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, so I don't know, maybe we FS got affected. on fire, so we, we, yeah, we had kind of hopes, you know, and I think maybe that the collapse against Basconi in the fourth quarter also affected our judgment before this game too much, uh, but. If you want a reaction to Ataman's exits, uh, in my opinion, honest, it's disrespectful to the other team, to to the players. I think to his own players as well. First of all, why you need to do something like this? He said that's because there were some chants against him from the from the stands. But I believe players get chance from opposing fans every game. So what do they need also to exit the game early after shaking the opponent's hands? I've never seen a player do that, you know? So for me, it was another proof that he wants all the attention, you know, whether they win, whether they lose, I think it was completely unnecessary. And uh, uh, it, it was something that wasn't needed to be done in my eyes well at so. least he shook hands with you do this at least he shook hands yeah but uh <laughs> but it's not about you do this it's about you know. respecting your team and you know i treat yeah. him as a captain of his of his ship the ship was sinking and he left his team and his assistant coaches his colleagues on that bench to suffer the last 40 seconds of the game which were really painful so i also i'm on on ship with uh, Augustas, I kind of, I kind of get it. If there were some serious insults, I, I was always endorsing that part of of the philosophy that insults shouldn't be tolerated. And maybe Ataman wanted to send the message to the crowd and fans that it's not, it, it shouldn't be that way. And if you do, if you do it, I'm out of the game. So basically, I mean, if you you're going to continue that basketball world should 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 go aside, should go to the locker room and just leave the gyms empty, you know. But at the same time, um, 
it's it's not the game to send the message like that. It's not the situation to send the message. It's this decisive game of the year, and you're leaving your whole team on the bench to to suffer those last forty shameful I'm uh, seconds. I'm pretty sure that this wasn't the first game where Ataman heard insults in this and it's, season. It was not not the but first game when he left the court, actually. But you know, there are better ways to leave the court. Get just get two technicals. Get thrown out of the game, uh, like. Uh, after all, it was a minus 20, you know, minus You're frustrated, you let your frustration on the refs, and yeah, you get two texts and, 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 and you leave. It happened before with, with Ataman, actually, in some games, but the man himself said after the loss in Berlin that that's it, we're not going to make the playoffs. So stick to your words. This was not the game where you lost the regular season. Uh, you lost it before, so just... I mean, survive the game somehow and shake hands and mm -hmm. leave. I think that would be the right way. But we know that it's Ataman, as you said. He, he's, he's always making it uh, all about himself. Uh, later, we heard some stories uh, about FS, about Shane and, and Will uh, not going on a bus. Uh, so after uh, another loss it, in the it, Turkish yeah, league, it, it yeah. looks like uh, the chemistry is gone, and there are some issues with that team. And I, I'm not even sure if they're gonna solve those issues this season. They still probably should be in the Turkish league finals, facing Fenerbahce. That's what people are expecting. And at least if you finish the season on a high note with with a with a championship, you can feel better. Uh, but it looks like, I mean, from all these things that we see, it looks like uh, it's time for some changes in FS. Mm -hmm. Talking about the game itself, to me, it was another, uh, you know, proof that there was basically no no preparation from, from FS to this particular game. I mean, it to this, uh, one, one play caught my eye throughout the whole game. It was... Itudis went with uh, Hayes Davis and Daishon Pierre into the post like 20 or 25 times. He posted up these two guys and these two guys played 40 minutes. So I guess in, in the end they were tired, but they were still deri delivering on these post-ups. And Efes came to the game with, you know, Will Clyburn playing a lot as E4. And uh, Fenner, as a result, played this side pick and roll, which Efes switch, even if they play this pick like at 10 meters, three, three meters behind the three-point line. So there is no risk, you know, why do you need to switch there? And, and this brings Mitic defending or Larkin defending or Beaubois defending on Hayes Davis or Dyson Pierre. And then you need help. And then, you know, it triggers a lot of rotations. Rotations are bad. And uh, Fender is scoring on basically every possession. And there were no adjustments. Like, Itudis kept pushing, kept, uh, you know, playing this the same exact play for 40 minutes and nothing changed so to me it was you know another just proof that fs really weren't preparing for the games i think this year they were just uh playing individual basketball you know F fender switched a lot in this game and, and fs all, all it was he played in isolation plays yeah just living on mitic and clyburn in this game basically making some shots but Fenner was playing team basketball playing uh, through the weaknesses of FS while uh, while FS was just simply playing you know okay let's give the ball to our best player and let's see what he does so yeah and you know some people maybe expected that this is a must win game for FS but actually Fenerbahce 
was the team determined to win it. They they, they saw it as a must-win game, as a final. Uh, there are no other consequences where you can see in a regular season game two players playing 40 minutes, unless it's a must-win game. So Hayes Davis and Dyson Pierre played the whole 40 minutes. I loved the Hayes Davis interview after the game. <laughs> the man talked to some kittens <laughs> before the game. Just you know? Hayes Davis stuff. <laughs> yeah. <Nigel> stuff. <laughs> uh, and honestly, he's having a terrific season. And, and he, he deserved that he extension. He got extension. Yeah. yeah. And in this game, he had so many mismatches. It sometimes just looked too easy for him. I mean, Hayes Davis and Dyson Pierre duo is... is huge for, for Fenerbahce and Dyson Pierre is shooting lights out from three-point range this season. He had some games where he had like five made three-pointers uh, and it was the game changer basically in this game and he was missing uh, against Basconia yeah. and uh, his comeback was to me a crucial, you know, key to, to win this this derby in, in Istanbul. And they are, they are also benefiting from signing Tyler Dorsey at the right time. Uh, little did they know that Scotty Wilbekin is going to get injured. So that's the perfect time for Tyler Dorsey to get back to his rhythm. Scotty's out. Dorsey takes his minutes, takes his role basically in this team. And, and he's been playing great uh, in, in some games. In this game, for example, he scored 17 points. So uh, again, we see that's a great addition for Fenerbahce because now you're sort of protected if one of your guards get injured. Uh, in this case, it's Scotty. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Fenerbahce is still not in the playoffs, but probably uh, one way or another, they, they will be there and they deserve to be there. To me, uh, if somebody doesn't qualify for the playoffs with a record 19 wins and 15 losses, it's just an unfair world we're living. Mm. 18 and 16 already looks like it should be enough, winning more than 50% of your games. But right now you're at risk not to qualify with 19, 19 I mean, that just sounds crazy. We, me. sa we said 19 is going to be enough. 19 wins are it, going to be enough. probably will be. I mean, honestly, I'm expecting Olympiacos to, to beat uh, Basconia. So that solves everything, basically. But uh, if not, if, if that doesn't happen, if uh, Basconia causes an upset, then who knows? Yes. You might see some te one team mm. not making it with 19 wins. It could be Fenerbahce, it could be Jalgiris in that case. Speaking of Nigel Hayes Davis, Deshaun Pierre, uh, during the fourth quarter, uh, Fenerbahce through the lineup with Tonia Jikiri also at the center position. And watching them playing important uh, four quarter minutes, I kind of had this feeling that I don't see that kind of lineups on FS side. I don't, I d I don't see uh, lineups that can decide the game defensively on FS side. And I think that no. what FS was missing uh, throughout the whole year. And I think that. That's what they should focus on, trying to fix the current roster for the following season. It's not like they have to do a, some significant roster uh, shakeup, but they just need to find some glue guys who could set the tone defensively, who could increase the level of the effort and increase the level of discipline defensively, who could who could read the game uh, very well, you know, to to fill some gaps defensively. And for instance, Shaq McKissick is is on an expiring contract. I think that that's the player. Uh, you should consider as the FSGM uh, some some other guys. I don't know Joel Bolomboy. Of course, I'm naming all the Olympiacos uh, mm -hmm. players uh, right now. But I mean, there are 
not plenty, but there are a bunch of uh, players that could fit this uh, FS roster, mm. which was already too much offensive-oriented uh, entering this season. Because I remember when they signed Will Clyburn, when they signed Ante Zizic, everybody was overwhelmed by these signings. But I kind of felt that, hey, FS was already huge power offensively and they're just going toward that direction where are the defensive anchors uh, for this team so i think that this is the the switch that they should uh, make uh, honestly i, I don't agree with you honestly Why? i mean the roster is fine it's not about adjusting the roster and you can see offensive oriented teams being successful this season you can take maccabi as an example The roster is stacked. They added Will Clyburn on top of uh, things. They added Ante Zizic as a third option at center. Uh, the, 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 the fact that they failed this season is down to lack of coaching, not lack of players, not lack of talent, not lack of defensive players. The roster is fine. But were they really that well coached last year? Not necessarily, but, but things clicked. I didn't see much of a change uh, from the coaching standpoint. The way they approached the games, the I mean, they did like Real Madrid way, playing the same way all the time. Okay, but they were winning games in the regular season. So this year, you could see after the first part of the season that something's not working, something's not right. So it's down to the head coach to step up, to do things differently, to pay more attention to detail, to... to watch more tape to analyze your opponents to prepare for for games to have a clear game plan for every single team you're facing in the Euroleague not just let's play our game for 40 minutes and see what happens so to me it's all down to lack of coaching uh, I mean the roster is is fine yeah some players didn't fit like Polonara and Taylor they they eventually landed in Jalgiris but then they brought back Chris Singleton They had Elijah Bryant performing really well in the second part of the season. And the fact that Shane Larkin was hurt for part of the season is also not an excuse. You signed Will Clyburn, a superstar player in the EuroLeague. The best small, arguably the best small forward in the league. What else could you, could you want? I mean, and it's not like these guys cannot defend. Players like Clyburn, Bobois, They're pretty good on individual defense. So to me, their failure is down to lack of coaching. Plain and simple. It's I not about some role players missing. I somehow agree with you both. You know, I think Ritis is right about lack of coaching. And I think Donatas is right. I'm not questioning. Yeah, I'm not questioning that part. I just think that what helped FS to uh, be successful in the previous season, that their whole roster was just a better fit when, when this year. But was it so much different? Than, than it is this year? It, it was a bit different. I mean, yeah, Chris Singleton, he's getting older. I mean, signing Ante Zizic, who, who now played important minutes uh, in the end of the season, again, putting him on the lineup, which is already too much offensive-oriented. I don't I don't see him yeah, as a Yeah, but were they better defensively before? Mm, at least a bit better. I mean, but because how? there how? was a bit more effort. And that's why if the coach cannot spark the defensive mentality and if the coach is the problem, som sometimes the players help, you know, to, to boost their these players. And I, I, I believe that... But it's not like, like they had defensive players last season. But at least there was discipline defensively. There was a different mentality. As you said, I mean, these players, they can play defense and they played so better again, defense it's, it's before. it's not down to the roster, it's, it's down to coach. Of course, it's down to the coach. But I mean, his main quality, I mean, we're not saying that Ataman is some incredible mastermind. It was never his 
success story. He was good at building rosters because he was not making uh, big coaching decisions uh, to decide games. I just think that this year, uh, the previous summer, he made some um, bad decisions roster-wise uh, roster to make it uh, fit both uh, defensively and offensively. I mean, he replaced a retiring Kruno Simon with Will Clyburn. I don't think uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't I, think Antezizic for Brian Dunstan is you know you need at the center with Mitic, Larkin, and Clyburn. You need a, rim, a real rim protector. Yeah, it's not a fantasy and, game, so and uh, to me that's one thing that was missing this season: a real rim protector who can you know hide some of these players uh, defensively. Looking at the numbers, I checked them really quickly right now on bbolitics.com. Uh, this year, FS defense was 15 in the league, 116 points in 100 possessions. And the last year it was ninth with 111 and 0.5. So that's like uh, 4.5 uh, point per 100 possession decrease uh, this season. Uh, I had one, I had two things. Uh, one was, you know, having a real rim protector on the team would benefit them. You know, they don't need to add four defensive players. I think having a real rim protector would help and a little bit more, uh, you know, on the perimeter. And one question was, you know, you were saying how uh, none of, not, not a lot of these players were uh, underperforming, but I think one player, you know, Shane Larkin, uh, what what to do with him would be my question. I think Rodrigo Bobois had a great season. Um, their numbers looked really similar. Plus, I think Bobois is an underrated defender, but he's 35, which is amazing. You know, at, at, at 35, to, have, to be in a such shape to defend this way that he does is, is amazing. But, you know, for how long can he sustain that? Uh, Shane, I don't know if he was, you know, obviously he was affected by injury, but he wasn't, he wasn't, he isn't the same Shane, you know, I saw these last couple of seasons. So I don't know if it was, you know, he's... Uh, full of this situation and FS, you know, he needs some someone to bring the sparkle to the team, you know, because they were also missing that sparkle that they have in the season before to prove to others that we need to win. So to me, it was, it is a lot of questions with, with this FS team. I don't think they need a completely re rebuild, but I think two, three new pieces, I mean, they, they have to, it, it they have all, to change something. It all here. depends on, on Vasa. What, what's his decision going to be in the yeah. summer? If he decides to leave for the NBA, then uh, it, it obviously affects your uh, situation with other players. You, you're probably going to want to keep Shane Larkin again. First of all, we don't know who's going to be the head coach next season. So that probably is also important uh, from what we see this year maybe larkin ottoman relationship is not so great as we saw shane complaining on twitter about a lack of minutes in in one of the most important games of the season and and some other stuff you know that's that's why i think you know it also affected his his performance yeah and we know shane is is the type of player that if he's out for two or three months it's gonna take two or three months for him to get back he's not one of those guys that get injured they're out for a month all of a sudden they come back and they perform just the way they were before before the and injury. It's not like he was coming back to the old FS lineup. He was coming back to the lineup yeah. which already had Will Climber, a yeah. ball-dominant player that Larkin had to adjust to, to, to play next to. 
Yeah, I mean, FS to me is like the biggest uh, failure of the season because Olympia Milano, we also expected them to be in a final four, but you put everything down to injuries, basically. They were without Siobhan Shields and Kevin Pangos for so long and some other players were getting injured and they signed Shabazz Napier too late. And that's the reason why they are not in the in, in the top eight. But uh, FS to me is the biggest failure of the season. To be honest, for me, it's hard to buy this uh, narrative of Milan failing basically because of the injuries. Because even without Kevin Pangos or Shaman Shields, when you compare this team with teams like who uh, Jalgiris, for instance, who's who's still in the playoff race, Milan is still way more talented team than Jalgiris is. So of course it was a huge part of, of of Milan's failure, but I think that it was more than that. Anyway, returning to FS topic, uh, do you believe, do you think that Ergen Ataman will continue uh, to, to, to do his, his job with FS? I don't see how that's possible. Me neither. And I think it's, it's really time to part ways. It's, it's better for both the club and, and, and the coach. For him to seek some new challenges, and for the club to start the rebuild, it just makes sense starting from the head coach. You had a great story, you had a great run, you had these back-to-back titles. But after what happened this year, I don't see how they could extend the contract. Yeah, because especially if the core of this team remains, it's really hard to see Ergit Ataman staying with this group of people because it really feels that there are some chemistry issues uh, between the players, uh, the coach, and we saw, as you mentioned, a lot of examples uh, this year. So unless he will get the opportunity to, to reshape the roster, which includes, okay, Vasily Misic is maybe leaving for the NBA. Uh, Shin Larkin is under the contract uh, until 2024, but uh, I heard that it's not like his future in FS is, is luck. Bobois is on an expiring contract, Elijah Bryan on an expiring contract. So. Uh, basically, Amat Mbaya, he also has uh, an option for the next year. Uh, Ante Zizic, uh, he was signed until 2025. Brian Dunstan is becoming a free agent. So basically, if Misic leaves for the NBA, if Larkin is in one way or another leaving FS, there is some room for making a new team for Ergin Ataman. And Ataman, I don't believe that he will be, unless it's Galatasaray, I don't believe that he will be respected in any other organization as much as in, as in FS, so I believe that he will have this motivation to stay uh, in FS. It all goes to the ownership of, of FS. If they they should believe in Ataman as the GM of the team who can build a successful team, but at the same time, if they have to make a coaching decision for this particular team, I just don't see that happening. And for instance, as I mentioned the last time, the Euroleague champs missed the playoffs was actually in 2010, I think, and it was Panathinaikos team mm. coached by Jelko Bradovic. But the difference is that nobody questioned Obradovic's future uh, back in the day uh, when they failed. And actually, what, what was funny coincidence that that year Partizan made the uh, made the final four in the same mm. uh, top 16 group stage where Panathinaikos uh, fell short. But anyway, nobody questioned Panathinaikos uh, co- head coach. They also made just a couple small adjustments they they kept their core and basically they're just parted ways with Sharuna Sisikavichus uh with mm, somebody else they actually just brought Romain Sato and and that's it and they won the EuroLeague the following year 
I just don't see that Jelko, uh, that Ergen Ataman is as much respected by this FS core as maybe Jelko Brada, which was in, in his days with, with Pau. So I also believe that it's more likely that they should part ways if they keep the, the, the core of this team. I mean, if, if, if I'm a GM of, of FS or an owner, uh, I wouldn't be very happy, not only with the results, but with this culture that Ataman is creating, like leaving the game early, all these other things when he brings all the attention to himself, this this uh, TV interviews, all these quotes, uh, statements he's making. It is really unnecessary, and there's a thin line between being a very confident coach and, a, and simply a basketball clown. That's the way some people see him right now and that complacency in the regular season happened last year as well they were also playing with fire but they just survived they made it to the playoffs everything was fine where they, they where they got an injured olympia milano team yeah mm. uh, so i'm still so, gonna keep saying this so you can say there was some luck but at the same time you could sense that something's wrong already last yeah. year the way mm -hmm. they, they they played in the regular season and and this season yeah people were saying well now they're going to be serious they're going to respect the regular season they will respect the competition they signed will Clyburn and everything and and so i'm, I'm saying is it's not only about the results it's mm -hmm. also about the culture and jelko bradovich nobody ever Questions. would dare to question yeah. the the culture he creates in the team exactly you can win or lose Jelko can accept a loss. He never had a problem accepting that someone is, someone is stronger, somebody beat them, or anything like that. So, I I, I couldn't even compare Jelko to Ataman in in this case. Yeah. Anyway, do you have anything to add? I was just looking. You know, I'm thinking. Every everyone was saying uh, when do FS start playing? You know, they had a bad start, and okay first his games now they're gonna start after that game with Barca and I think after that game with, with Barca they had a five game winning streak and uh but after then you know looking at winning streaks because that tells you about some consistency from a team I don't think they had a higher win streak than two games or maybe three games in a row so that also tells you that you know it was up, ups and downs depending on you know if we are scoring that night it wasn't some consistent basketball for the rest of the whole year because for they were one and five, I think, to start the season, and then they won on, on this uh, went on this five game win streak, and then it was always you know up and down, up and down. So yeah, just yeah. But let's give FS to uh, let's give credit to FS. I mean, amazing, amazing, amazing run, era. amazing dynasty they created. Yeah. I think how yeah. many teams have you know, back-to-back -back titles. That's so hard to do in the EuroLeague with, with the Final Four format. And that so, also yeah. says a lot, not only about uh, FS, but also about the competition itself. Uh, the competition is crazy. The level of basketball being played every week is, is just amazing. You cannot uh, disrespect any opponent. You even see Asvel and Alba taking wins from some uh, top clubs during the season. So uh, it, it's just, I mean, a crazy competition. Making the playoffs is, is probably the toughest thing. Uh, unless you're like Real Madrid, 
with, with the <laughs> roster you have, you you will always be a top three seed probably. But for for all the others, yeah, FS and Milan not being in the playoffs is something nobody could could predict before the season. I mean, nobody not being in the final. Four, if I met a guy, maybe. yeah. I mean, not being in the final four, yeah. You can make that bold prediction, but if I if I met a guy during the preseason and he says to me, I think Milan and FS will not make it to the top eight, I would probably just slap him <laughs> on both cheeks, like, wake up. What are you talking? But yeah, that's the reality. Yeah, the, both of these teams are not the in the playoffs. Probability of this event is probably equal to winning the lottery, really. That's how unlikely and improbable I mean, it, it, it looks like. If you made a bet before the season that Milan and FS are not making it to the playoffs, you you will probably be rich by now. <laughs> probably be a millionaire right now. Yeah. So big credit goes to FS uh, for the team they built. One of the the team they built is actually in the conversation of being one of the best dynasties that yearly had in the modern era and you know big credit goes to Ergen Ataman who is uh, known for making those decisions of course one of the most dominant teams on the court and of course obviously the credit goes uh, to the players so it was very interesting chap chapter we'll see how it goes now the following year uh, but Ergen Ataman already he's already receiving offers what is also interesting uh, to point out is that from what i heard he still didn't have a conversations with fs ownership toward his future so sometimes when the contract is expiring and even the team is going through a difficult chapter sometimes the ownership tries to give some confidence with uh, you know giving a new long-term contract so failing to make the playoffs although as the owner i can afford having one bust year after uh, following these great seasons but as we all already mentioned behind this table with all the uh, things that are happening uh, this season it's it's unlikely to see him continuing but anyway he already received some offers particularly from Pant Naikos do you guys see it as a good fit for both Ataman and Pant Naikos? I mean Pau is obviously going for a big rebuild there will be a lot of changes in the roster and uh, by signing Ataman, you're basically signing the type of a coach. You can call him a manager, manager coach. GM. He's yeah. going to sign players. He's going to pick players himself. And who knows? If you give him all the tools, he might... You give him money. Yeah, you give... By saying tools, basically, yeah. I mean money. Uh, that's, that's the way it is in basketball, right? The owner doesn't make money from the club. He spends money for the club to be successful. Uh, so, I mean, it would be a fresh start. It's hard to say whether it's a good fit or a bad fit because you would probably get like eight or nine new players and then you can uh, judge whether these are good signings or not. With the roster power has right now, well, whether it's Ataman, Lasso or anybody else, I don't think you could expect uh, greatness. So... Um, I'm not surprised that Powell would go for him. But, uh, yeah, that, that could be something interesting. I think, uh, you know, Ataman as the GM in Powell would be an interesting thing. You know, make him build the roster. This is where he is great at. And, uh, you know, 
looking at all what Pantinaikos players said, uh, let's say from the coaches from about Dan Radonis this season, that Maris Grigonis, Paris Lee recently saying, you know, we weren't coach coached in the first part of the season. So if this is the core you're building around, then you know you probably want a, a different type of coach than Ergin Ataman. Mm. But Ergin Ataman as the GM, yeah, I would be all in all in for that. You know, he's he he's making the the chess moves to build to build this roster because that's something Powell lacked actually in the last years. Some vision, long-term vision and and good signings yeah, and uh, that make sense one around each other and yeah. not, you know, just individual signings that look good. Let's remember who FS were before Ataman came. They were also the dead last uh, team in they were, the standings. Yeah. They were also before kind of signing the trying Mitzich to and Larkin. find their identity and, and Ataman kind of them on the right direction so from from this standpoint that would be a great fit uh of course probably it would be the wildest owner coach relationship <laughs> and duo in the yearly history you know let's say last week you said man I don't, I don't know what we're going to talk about in the podcast because there is not enough content and then you know prior uh, to games prior to the games and then fs fenner game happened so imagine ergen ataman in pow oh we would have, we could have a Pantanaikos podcast here, actually, not not to talk about all the teams. Yeah, and it feels like, it seems like, it looks like that Pantanaikos, they will have money. I'm hearing a lot of stuff about them. And although it feels like Pantanaikos, they're just keep denying all the information that is going, is, is published already. I'm hearing that it might be different when they are actually trying to say officially, for instance, Luca Valdoza. I also heard from some serious people that, I mean, if the deal is not in place, at least it's going toward that direction or it's not that unlikely as it may look from, from these official denials mm -hmm. by Panthnaikos. Uh, Two plus one? Mm, I'm not sure about two plus one, but big big money for for Luca Valdosa. From what I hear right now, there should be a lot of, of yeah, I would say a lot of money in in Panaikos team. I've heard that Matthias Lazort uh, could be on their short list. I've even heard that he might have received the offer and he rejected it because there is a big desire from his uh, sides to to stay in Partizan. Uh, there were some rumors about Campasso. I also heard uh, about it from my sources. Uh, I heard the money they uh, might be able or they're willing to to be able to pay for those players. So it feels like if Ataman join, joins this this ship, this new ship, uh, it might go to way different direction where it was already uh, going to. So Ataman and big bag of money should be a good fit for the organization which is looking for some radical rebuild after the, all those um, tough years but yeah we'll see how it goes because this the coaching markets might be very interesting this summer i would say we already discussed rumors about sergio scariolo being the front runner to become a head coach of real madrid although it sounds weird because we're talking about the head coach who is still under their contract with Virtus and we're speaking of a team which still has potential to win the EuroLeague regular season but that's how things go in the EuroLeague and so many big names uh, coaching names yeah. in the free pa agency this summer pa Pablo Lasso was mentioned as front runner to take over but Nikos for a long time but actually I'm hearing some interesting stuff that he might be going toward Bayern Munich 
which would make this situation Lasso? Yeah, which would make the situation very intriguing. I mean, Lasso to Bayern, something that makes sense, but at the same time, something you wouldn't think of. And Trunkieri would be his so, assistant or what? Uh, so Lasso, Lasso Trunkieri is on the move. Okay. He's obviously on the move, and probably it so, only depends on which team is it. Virtus is Scariola, it? Scariola going to Real Madrid. Uh, Lasso going to Bayern and Trinkieri going to Virtus. Or FS, for instance. Or FS. Sounds sounds very interesting. And we have Sharas Isakavichus on an expiring deal and uh, season on the line. Monaco, they have He's a rather short league, contract, but but you never know. Some <laughs> I mean a lot of interesting things. Sharas uh, winning Euroleague, don't worry. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going against it. Uh yeah. We have two spots remaining for the playoff picture uh, you already mentioned this weird situation with uh, Fenerbahce being the fifth seed before the last round of yearly regular season and they don't have their playoff berth uh, yet uh, and I remember you guys were confident about Basconia clinching the eighth seed do you change your opinion now when actually this last game for Olympiacos matters yeah they're they're not gonna make it I mean, I, I was kind of confident they will be in the playoffs. Recently, I was very confident that they are going to win their home games. Yeah. And at the time, maybe I thought it's going to be enough because I I didn't uh, didn't foresee Jalgiris winning three in a row. I, I sort of expected Maccabi or Monaco Maccabi. to beat Jalgiris, especially Maccabi yeah. probably. And that game was so close. Basically, that one shot could have changed everything for at least three teams. Yeah, I'm talking about Wade Baldwin last sh second shot in Konas. If he makes uh, it, uh, the top eight is yeah is, clear. It's clear. Yeah, Jalgiris yeah. doesn't make it. Basconia is, is is the eighth seed, and it, whether they win or lose in in Greece, exactly. but too bad. Well, too bad. One point loss was uh, good for Maccabi. Yeah, one point loss was acceptable for them. That that's why uh, Katash uh, made a smart decision. Although at the time I didn't realize it, and it to me looked like Same. what is he? Wh uh -huh. What? That's Same. crazy. <laughs> They I think you were texting me. Why? Yeah, why did I was texting so long yeah, for the same shot. thing. <laughs> but then, yeah, I realized. Okay, if they lose by one, it's 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 good enough. So basically, if Isaiah Taylor makes both free throws and Maccabi is down by two, it could have been a different ending. Mm. Maccabi going for the shot earlier, uh, going for a foul if they miss or whatever. I mean, that game was mm. crazy. Actually, I mean, let's remember the sequence where Gerald Martin missed an open free. And then Josh Nebo missed two layups in a row. Oh yeah. <laughs> and at that time the game was tied. Crazy. So, you know, that changed everything. Jalgiris somehow survived. And uh, right now I'm gonna say that Jalgiris will be in the playoffs. I mean, they, they, they should beat Bayern Munich away. And I don't I just don't see Basconia winning uh, in Greece if Olympiakos really wants to win. They really want to be the first seed. They lost now uh, against Vesda. So they kind of need Belgrade, to win. So they kind of need to win, yeah. And uh, I mean, Basconia deserve a lot of credit for this season, uh, even if they don't make it to the playoffs. Mm. I I love watching them when they play in Buenos Arena, but uh, <laughs> it's just probably not going to be enough with eighteen wins. And uh, actually, that game Basconia Asphalt was kind of reminded me of some games that happened in the NBA recently. <laughs> where you see two teams that don't really need anything from the game. <laughs> nobody played it's any clear defense. who's going to win. Yeah, nobody played any defense. It finished on 120 
versus one hundred. Could have been even more. It could have been even more. To be honest. Yeah, it was like Warriors first quarter against the Blazers, where they something like 55. that, something like that NBA record. Anyway, I, I don't know. I was sticking with Basconia, you know, all year. I don't think they are the favorites to win that game in Piraeus, obviously. But I just don't know. I don't. I'm not sure about Jalgiris until the end. You know, I was last year, last last week, thinking you know they're going to lose against Maccabi at home, close game. They somehow managed to do it, but an away game in München is never easy for any team. doesn't matter that Bayern is out of the player race. I think Trinkieri is still going to prepare his team, you know, in, in the best way possible. We don't know what roster he's going to play. We don't know. Yeah, that's, that's one thing. That's one thing. But uh, I'm not sure about Jaligris winning that game, you know, because it's it will be a lot of pressure, I think, on them to win. They don't have Keenan Evans who can just close out games on his own. You know, uh, we saw how they were struggling against Maccabi switch all defense and Isaiah Taylor putting Arnas Butkevichus under the tank four times, yeah. shooting long freeze in the last second. So. I mean, it's clear if Jalgiris is going to win, they're not going to win because of some extra shot, quality yeah. and, and yeah. offensive talent. Uh, so that, that that's I'm, I'm I'm saying, you know, you can't playing at home and winning at home three games is one thing, but playing yeah. against Bayern away, I, I I just not sure how away this game will be. Oh. I expect thousands of Lithuanian people because even uh, in the previous years when they were just playing not that meaningful regular season games. They were like from one to two and even maybe more Lithuanians in the stands. And knowing the importance of this game, I really see a lot of uh, fans just flying to, to Munich to yeah, watch that game. And there's a huge Lithuanian community in Germany. So there were a lot of fans flying to Berlin. Yeah. That was probably the ugliest game of the year. Oh yeah. No, I'm just that questioning <coughs> the away game uh, factor. But I also agree on this, like, this is the game they must win, and it seems like it's it's not like Jalgiris is the underdog in this situation. Like yeah. maybe they no. were be before the game they, against they Maccabi. Like this no. is the game they now have to win. Oh, They're in the position again, to win. So th that's a tricky situation. That on Thursday they could know actually. They if could the know game is ma if yeah, the game matters, matters at all. Like, and, and it's very hard for Euroleague to manage these things to put all these games that uh, influence won each other let's say on the same day at the same time like when you had this last day of the nba regular season and you had uh, coach Tai Lu asking his assistants what's the score in minnesota because it affects their position in the western conference and and in this case it would be mm, better for the league and and for the fans to have these games being played at the same time like for you, sure you're supporting Jalgiris, let's say, but at the same time, you're kind of worried about what's happening in Greece. Is Olympiakos winning against against Bosconia? And right now, there are two sides to it. On one side, you can have Jalgiris playing a, a final, where if you win, you go to the playoffs. Or on the other side, all Anyways. these fans already planned their trip to Munich, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and they bought the tickets and everything. And it could happen that on Friday the game doesn't even mean anything. 
So uh, I don't really like this situation. I think all these games should be played at the same time, but also at the same time, I understand it's kind of hard to manage this because uh, you have the schedule prepared a long time ago. Uh, you cannot really know at the time which teams will be fighting for the eighth spot, let's say. So it is what it is. Yeah, you could just make the games at, on the same day. But probably, you know, the arenas uh, are, are booked... Uh, and it, it, it's not as easy as uh, as it looks like to push a game, let's mm -hmm. say, from Thursday to Friday all of a sudden. Uh, but yeah, I mean, about that, that support, uh, I, I think playing away from home has something more to do with the different environment, different rims, different court, rather than yeah. who's cheering the loudest. I mean, let's say Turkish teams always are supported in, in Germany when they play in Berlin and Munich, Fenerbahce fans, FS fans, they will always dominate those games, but it doesn't necessarily give you a big advantage. I think playing at home is less about the crowd and more about the environment itself. But at the less, same time- Unless you play in Stark Arena or yeah. Nikola Yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy. I mean, even the sold out crowds in Konas maybe and, and Maccabi fans uh, also, but- But at the same time, yeah. when you're playing away, there's very clear schedule, and I would say that away games are more disciplined in terms of not having too many distractions. Because when you're playing at home, there are these expectations about the game. Mm. When you enter the shopping mall, when you go to the uh, cafeteria, when you go to yeah. the gym, I mean, there is this buzz. So at least when you're playing away, you can concentrate uh, on the game particularly more than but playing at you home. You know, I would say a small thing like rims is underrated different rims might make it hard for you to make your usual shots and when you're at home you're you're used to those rims you see them every day and away from home is is, is different like in in the nba you sort of have the same standard almost in every arena it and here al you almost everywhere looks the same now in europe everywhere is different kind i mean of you like. can go from jalgiris arena to monaco's gym yeah which is completely different the space is different actually, Monaco has one of the best yeah. home records in the EuroLeague although they Not don't surprising. have any big support like yeah. yeah so these are little things that we don't really talk about usually I know these are professional athletes you cannot compare them let's say to amateur players but even sure. when, when you're an amateur player you, you play at, at the same gym every week you feel good and then all of a sudden you have to play let's say an amateur league game somewhere else different gym different environment different rims different everything and you're missing all of your shots all of a sudden you know yeah uh, so yeah, basically we were just speaking about Baskoni and Jalgiris, but there's still this scenario of Fenerbahce missing the playoffs. So that happens uh, if uh, they lose, they lose, and both Baskoni and Jalgiris Win. wins actually. And basically, you know, all on all head to heads with many teams involved, Fenerbahce is the last team, so they might be still out. But again, if actually if Olympiakos had the first seed clinched. I believe that Fenerbahce would be in a very alarming situation because they're playing Red Star away and Red Star, they are just on fire. They won the four last games. Uh, every game matters for them. It feels like every game matters. It's the last game of the regular season. They want to finish it on a high note because they never know if it's their last season in the yearly without with this uncertainty over their future in the yearly competition. So it's going to be a very tough uh, crowd to get a win uh, for Fenerbahce. 
Um, the team which clinched the playoffs together with Maccabi was uh, Partizan, and they did it in fashion with Kevin Punter hitting that uh, nice dagger, uh, the shot that he's capable of, of making through any defense. Is he your number one pick in in situation where you need a game winner? Mm. I'm going to go with Kevin Punter. Reed is going to go with Mike James. Um, you, not necessarily. My, <laughs> in, in between. Uh, in between. <laughs> well, you know, there were some moments in Kevin Punter's career where, where you could say Corey Higgins is more clutch. Huh. Mm, and and Corey Higgins particular moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Corey Higgins is clutch. Yeah. He's a killer. But but right now. Right now, maybe it would be hard to put your hopes on Corey Higgins, although I still believe he has it in him. Kevin Punter, um I love his jump shot, first of all. I mean, he's like a baby KD mm. in, in the Euroleague. Baby had, KD. He has the same number, the same release, nice. the same moves. Um, uh, but, uh, it's just, uh, smaller version, smaller, but yeah. Who else do we have um, on, on this? You know, you could put on this list. Actually, Janan Musa, maybe making, I mean, I would trust Costas Lucas to make the right play, not necessarily take the last shot, but to make the right play for it, for his team to score. Yeah, exactly. Um, how many moments of him who we have seen last season? Yeah, I think two games by him hitting those game winners. Yeah, exactly. I'm not gonna go with Mike James because it it would be interesting to let's say analyze his uh, track, track record, record of of, of yeah. makes and misses because he throughout his career he took some really difficult uh, shots, some crazy buzzer beaters went in, but in some cases, uh, let, let's say for example, uh, last season I think versus Real Madrid, he was just blocked by Eddie Eddie Tavares. Uh, in the last second, so I'm not even sure, but I think that even Hunter is a good choice anyway because he can create his own shot. The same with Will Clyburn. I think that his his size and his skill makes him the perfect player for the last possession because he can either drive uh, and use his size for mismatch situations or he can shoot. Tough to guard shot because he's over two meters, but at the same time, I believe that his track record is not as you know efficient as maybe Kevin Punter, Mike James, or some other guys have. Okay, so a question for you guys: Would you rather have a ten centimeter? Let's say what what is Clyburn's height and Punter's? Uh, Clyburn is two meters and one, and, and Punter is like one ninety five or ninety six. Okay, so would you rather take five centimeters more? You know, mm-hmm. a taller player, or you would rather have one ninety three. I'm sorry, Punter is one ninety three, okay, seven or eight, whatever. Whatever, like that. You you will get the mm-hmm. idea. Would you rather have a, a taller player, let's say forward instead of a guard, but with lower percentages than a guard? I'm basically Clyburn and Punter. Nah, in this discussion, I'm taking Punter. Okay, I, I would trust. I uh, just trust Punter more. I would trust him to create his own shot. He has a good crossover. He has good handles and he has a lot of confidence in his jump shot and will Clyburn well he uses the step back pretty often but it's not like it, it is a very high percentage shot mm. okay. and and punter is so you're living with the best score in the league right now you could say that you are living with the tougher shot mm-hmm. but by a better uh tough shot yeah, maker you can, you can say you that say I mean, it also depends a lot on who's defending him and 
everything. Mm. In Monaco, he just created a very good shot. That was a very good look. Mm. You could see he was in his zone, and he, he missed similar shots two meter two minutes uh, before, I think. And then, the, like, it was three minutes remaining. I think yeah. it was an ISO situation. Yeah, from, I mean, from the middle, and he he missed. You could and remember the second one he made. You could remember the first eternal derby of the season in in, in Stark Arena, and Punter had an opportunity mm -hmm. to close the game, but he missed an open corner free, I believe, and on the other side of the court, Nedovic Nedovic hit, corner free, yeah. hit a corner free. He has a very bad track of uh, track record of missing open good shots, shots. and yeah. then getting. But you know, <laughs> it's, not, it's, 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 it's not like. He's he's taking bad shots. No, he's no. taking good shots. So that's what and matters. I think what Kevin once said that there's no tough or bad shot that he can't make. Yeah. Uh, and actually, we had some great discussion on Basket News uh, YouTube channel. You can watch that conversation on our YouTube uh, from from the last year. Uh, it was my first face to face meeting with Kevin. I I didn't know him as a person and. That conversation kind of opened my eyes about him being more than just a scorer and a pure, pure shooter. Uh, so a big love to, to Kevin Punter and Partizan making the playoffs. Uh, also, EuroCup playoffs starts this week. Single elimination uh, tournaments. <laughs> wild Sud open, sudden death tournament. Sudden death tournament. <laughs> wild, incredible. Open race for the Euro Cup title because probably the, differently from from the last seasons, we don't have that one clear favorite. There are no more Virtus, Partizan, or other big teams uh, to win the title. So, who do you pick uh, in your Euro Cup uh, bracket as the next winner of the league? I mean, since it's a one-game knockout tournament, it's it's sort of like predicting the NCAA March Madness. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you have th I have this bracket in front of me. Uh, maybe I'm thinking uh, Joventut. Okay. They have a lot of experience on that roster. They are a good team, and and usually in these secondary European competitions, you you kind of expect the Spanish teams uh, to dominate and win the titles. At the same time, um, I, I expect favorites to fail for some reason. Yeah, but let's say last year, Virtus didn't fail. I mean, there yeah. were two clear favorites, Virtus and Partizan, Partizan last year. I think that somebody else also got eliminated pretty early. Maybe Valencia, they lost to Bursa as well. Joventut, they also had this disappointing loss mm, in the first round. Probably. Well, didn't Joventut lose to... Partisan or something. I don't remember. No, Partisan no. lost in the first uh, oh, stage you're right, against you're right. Bursa. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a one game. It's like exactly. I mean, you, you need to win four games in a row and against four different teams. For example, Joventut now starts against London Lions. Then they might get uh, Ven Venice or or uh, Hapoel in the next stage. Then who knows what they get in the in the semifinal. It wouldn't surprise me if a team like uh, Bursa or Paris uh, makes a run for the title. Actually, Promete is a is an interesting yeah. team with a lot of Americans on the roster, but I, but I heard Promete, that some of them got hurt. Promete is the one team that Donatas actually said uh, favorites to lose. They had mm, 30 win streak. They had 10 win streak in Euro Cup and 20 win streak in the Latvian Estonian League. And they lost two guys, two key guys mm. to, to injuries. And uh, they almost uh, 
lost in the quarterfinals of the yeah. Latvian Estonian League. They actually won, the the series was tied one and one against the eighth seed team Vimsi, yeah. and they won the last game by two points. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. So they barely, and then they they already finished the final four because it was a one elimination game. They won that league, but they are having a lot of troubles recently because they lost two of their best players. So, mm, you know, I mean, if you if you take a team, is obviously not your pick, right? No, I'm going with Gran Canaria. Okay, even though they have it's a good pick, Bursaspor, you know. But I think uh, I think they they can they can win the whole thing easily. Actually, especially if they're playing at home, because mm -hmm. that's a very hard trip to the Canary Islands. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And actually, bookmakers they see both Gran Canaria and Juventud as their favorites. They give a slight advantage for uh, Gran Canaria. Uh, and quality-wise, I also have these teams on the top. What is also interesting that they won't meet each other in the finals, uh, according to this bracket. I see that they they, yeah, they could meet. They in might the semis. face each other in semi the semifinals. They could Already. meet in the semifinals. What's the in the sem You're always playing at home. The higher standing until the final. Higher C team plays uh, at home. Yeah. Throughout the whole bracket or semifinals and final in neutral side. I don't remember where they're I gonna mean, host it, the finals. I mean, it seems like. Let's say Liat Kabelis has the home court advantage and they play Paris. But if Gran Canaria goes through and faces Liat Kabelis, then Gran Canaria has the home court Still, advantage because yeah. they were the higher seed yeah. in the regular season. Yeah. That's how it works. So, as I mentioned, I, I will try to be more creative without picking the favorites. Uh, not, I'm not hoping them to fail, but... I expect some unpredictable results and for from teams that might have an unpredictable successful run in the in this competition. I actually like Turk Telecom uh, as a very well coached team. They they are pretty complete team. The only problem is that they're pretty short. Uh, they don't have a deep rotation, but I love the team with Jeran Grant uh, on on the roster and with some other guys, but I actually uh, like my Hapwell Tel Aviv pick. They have a great uh, home court. Uh, they have a nice roster, solid core of, I would say, seven, seven, eight players. Chunano Anwaku is the center of that team. There are some other guys on the roster uh, worth mentioning. So if if you're looking for teams to surprise, I, I really go with Hapwell or Turk Telecom. And they're actually on, on different sides of, of this bracket. So we'll... we'll We'll hear your thoughts. We'll be willing to hear your thoughts on the comment section uh, below. And just to finish the pod, uh, we have like 10 minutes remaining. 12. 12 minutes. <laughs> yeah, because you have to leave the the office 12. In 12 uh, minutes, precisely. Yeah. Leave the arena. <laughs> so with 12 minutes to play, uh, we must uh, discuss... Uh, the last day of the NBA regular season and our short social media segment is, was sponsored by Draymond Green this time. Uh, Gitas can put the tweets on the screen if he's not sleeping and he if he's listening uh, to our podcast. Are you, are you here? That's he a good check actually right now. He's smiling. Yeah, on that screen. Oh, no, it's on your screen. Everyone yeah. can see it now. That's why we like Aridonas, <laughs> uh, you know, recording those shows. Anyway, so... <laughs> Basically, Draymond Green retweeted what 
Rudy Gobert tweeted when there was this fight in the Golden State Warriors camp. Back uh, from October. Back from October. And now we see Rudy Gobert throwing punches at his teammates during the game, actually. Uh, I know that you're big fans of Rudy Gobert, so what would be your hot takes on, on that situation? Uh, where, did, where, that? where did you read what? that? Where, where did you... Where did you come up R with this? Are you sleeping with Gobert's jersey at home? What, why is he I saying said that? that? I mean, before the season, I said that Minnesota Timberwolves made a bad deal. Oh, a bad will, trade. Yeah. And it, it, at the time, of course, I'm just teasing Walker, you. I know that Walker Kessler is doing so the same much, thing so. Rudy Gobert did in Utah. Look, the, the thing is, um, we don't expect any basketball team to be like a perfect family where nobody ever fights and argues. Um, we know that these are basically like 12 or 15 very ambitious individuals playing basketball with each other and things can happen like Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole. There are so many things we will never know about because they never went public because who knows what happened in, in, in some other teams, locker rooms or whatever in the, in, in the history of, of, of basketball, in particular NBA. But one thing to me is clear you don't punch your teammate during the game where <laughs> the cameras are filming and the whole world is watching. That's that game was the, the biggest game uh, of the day because it was the most important one. The Pelicans could win and avoid the plane. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves could win and get to the better position in the plane. And and that a lot was at stake. And, and shout out to Minnesota because at halftime, they were down by 12. Rudy Gobert punched Kyle Anderson. <laughs> Jaden McDaniels got injured punching uh, the wall. a wall. <laughs> they made a comeback and they won the game. You know, it sounds so simple when you say you shouldn't punch a teammate during the middle of the game. And that was it, a bad punch. Also, it, it was a weak punch. I mean, Draymond Green on Jordan Poole, that was a proper punch. <laughs> Oh, so we are evaluating the punches, right? Yeah, now. I mean, Rudy okay. Gobert, with <laughs> his long arms, he could do better. I think Gitas could have his opinion, you know, he's a UFC fan. If you want <laughs> to see the teammate punching his teammate during the game, I suggest uh, putting Oswaldas Macernes on the YouTube search. Oh. That's how he, deep we're going. Man, that's, that's a bad, wild stuff. Look, it's it, really wild stuff. In those lower European leagues, you can see teammates like, punching each other because they're probably trying to fix a game. So that's <laughs> a different story. <laughs> and in, and in, in, in Gobert's case, there was obviously a disagreement. Something was said. He uh, And you could see the reaction of the teammates. Nobody was, nobody was like protecting Gobert. Everybody was protecting Kyle Anderson. And they basically just pushed Rudy Gobert away. And then he went straight to the locker room. And as, as it was announced later, he... he left the arena, he, he went home, yeah. and he's now suspended for the playing game playing. in Los Angeles, which which is, which obviously makes sense. It's kind of hard to imagine him playing right now. And at the same time, actually, in Phoenix, you had something going on with Mason Plumlee and, and Bones Highland. There were no punches thrown, but there were some words said. Some shoving. There were some pushing and, and, and shoving, yeah, uh, because basically, uh, 
in the end of the third quarter, uh, there was a, an off-ball screen on Bones Highland, and he expected Plumlee probably to step up to the three-point line to contest Terrence Ross, but it didn't happen. Terrence Ross uh, got a clear, wide-open look. He missed it. And then Bones Highland was already shouting at Mason Plumlee. Bones Highland is a young player. Mason Plumlee is a veteran. And after that... There was this disagreement, and it was also caught on camera. It was mm. shown on, on, on the broadcast, but there were no punches. They started the fourth quarter together, and they just, they just played basketball. In Gobert's case, I mean, Kyle Anderson is a very respected player in the league, uh, probably a very important figure in the locker room. And even though Rudy Gobert has a huge contract, it's clear that uh, the other teammates in Minnesota Timberwolves are on Kyle Anderson's side. Mm. Yeah, so maybe that just uh, everything works out for Minnesota. They made a bad trade. Rudy Gobert punched the teammate. Uh, now he's not going to play. <laughs> he's not not too, part of too, the team anymore. Too bad he <laughs> has um, that contract. It's yeah, that's a, and uh, that's a problem. But uh, the Italian blog La Giornata Tipo made a nice summary of what uh, some things Gobert did, and you know, in the end they said you know not really the most sympathetic guy you 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 have on your team. First of all, you remember the COVID incident, okay, where he was joking, touching the microphones, and then you know, couple couple of days later he is the first player to have COVID, then it was uh, Italian-France game where he did, did did a 360 dunk in the end of the game where it was already decided and, you know, you should, you, you could just not play, just put the ball on the ground, stop stop the game, he did a 360 dunk. Oh, Stefanos Dedo supports that play, so. <sighs> Italians really? like that one. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, he won the silver medal and uh, he took away uh, that, that medal, uh, you know, because silver is not, I don't know, he doesn't appreciate silver. He doesn't appreciate silver in the European uh, Championship. And now you have this uh, Kyle Anderson and also, incident. Uh, as, as some people on Twitter uh, remembered, there is some backstory to Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert because when Memphis Grizzlies faced the Utah Jazz, uh, there was this accident uh, where um, Kyle Anderson basically, after the game, shouldered Rudy Gobert and mm. Rudy just went to the ground as a football player screaming for a penalty. And, you know, people were laughing at him at the time. And it was also Kyle Anderson involved in it. But at the time, they were not teammates, obviously. And uh, I saw yesterday as well on Twitter that Rudy Gobert, one day prior to this, this incident, said that uh, about Kyle Anderson, he's sometimes really vocal in our locker rooms, but... And uh, he was like, maybe a little bit too vocal about about the play. And then the next day, yeah. this happens. I mean, Rudy, so, Rudy Gobert made a public apology, as you could expect and everything. Obviously. But the, the comeback from Draymond Green was... <laughs> the timing of it was just I mean, perfect. You already know the Warriors are keeping tab on every freaking tweet you will write about oh, yeah. them. Oh, and, yeah. you know, that's Steph Curry and Draymond Green. That's what Draymond Clay actually Thompson. did during the Olympics. If oh, yeah. you remember, when Team USA won the gold medal, <laughs> Draymond Green went on this, um, how to say, Twitter 
massacre maybe <laughs> he was just killing people yeah, with everyone. his <laughs> responding to everyone who doubted team usa who predicted that oh they're not going to win gold and you know oh that that's <laughs> i mean raymond is a character just so much hate on Rudy Gobert uh, in this pod, but anyway, Come I want to defend him now. So I really loved defend, yeah. how he's great. Wash, no, I really loved how Wash put this whole situation in one tweet, knowing that you know we all have this image of Wash being so official, just breaking the news. There's no emphatic nothing, but this whole official tweet sounds so so hilarious. So Wash tweets: The Timberwolves had to suspend Gobert for throwing a punch, but accepted that it was a shot to chest with no intention to injure Kyle Anderson and understood that Anderson called Gobert a bitch repeatedly on a night Gobert was playing hurt. Sources tell ESPN. I mean, from, from my sources side, so tell ESPN. My sources tell me that he was called a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. Okay, just just the last uh, for the end. What are your NBA playing picks? Playing picks? Yeah, we have Atlanta Hawks uh, facing Miami yeah. Heat. Heat are favored by 4.5 points against the Hawks. Uh, I mean, since Quinn Snyder arrived, I, I have more trust in this Atlanta team. And, you know, maybe in the plane, not every home team will, will win. You can expect something. And I would say the Atlanta Hawks has a shot at it. Let's say they win it. Uh, on the other side, I, I do see Lakers winning it and, and mm. taking the seventh seed. But um, in the end, I think both Hawks and Heat will be in the playoffs. Just, just one will be the seventh seed and, and the other will be the eighth seed beating the, the team, whether it's Raptors or Bulls. I just think it's vice versa. You know, Heat seven, a Hawks eighth. And, you know, the Western? I'm also predicting another Timberwolves-Pelicans matchup. Like they ended the regular season battling each other and they will battle each other for the eighth seed, in my opinion. And I think Pelicans are going to be the eighth seed. Fair. You yeah. have Wolves? No, with all this uh, noise around them with this Gobert situation and seeing the way Brandon Ingram is, is balling right now, I, I do believe that Pelicans will make it. They, they okay. first of all, of course, got have to go through Thunder. Uh, and yeah, I see Lakers being the seventh seed and Pel Pels being the eighth seed. Okay, guys. So thank you all for your time. Thank you all for watching us. The short Q&A announcement before we end. This Friday, we'll have a Q&A pod. So feel free to ask us questions even uh, below this uh, video in the comment section. But just uh, keep keeping for be reminded that uh, we give a priority to BN Plus members because usually we are out of time during the pod, but we try to make sure that all the questions by BN Plus members are answered. And to become BN Plus members, uh, you can type baskinnews.com slash plus. There are three different subscription levels. Uh, join us not to be a bigger part of this Q&A pod, but also to get some other uh, great extra features. So thank you all and see you soon, guys. Peace and love.